Welcome to FRT, the IIF podcast at the intersection of finance, regulation, and technology. I'm Conan French, Senior Advisor for Digital Finance at the IIF, and today I'm coming to you from Singapore, where Brad Carr and I were speaking at the Singapore FinTech Festival, a major global gathering of the leaders driving innovation in finance and technology. For this episode, we're speaking with Subnemdu Mahanti, Chief FinTech Officer at the Monetary Authority of Singapore and a major driver behind the FinTech Fest. Thanks for having me. This year, the things that struck me were really the scale. It just continues to grow. I think 65,000 people were there. The national delegations continue to grow. I overheard someone saying Bahrain's just past Luxembourg, which gives you a little bit of a flavor of what the floor looks like. And it also was the first year that uh, you combine the festival with Switch, which was uh, another element and stream on transformational technologies. So those were the things that stood out for me. But as a man who's uh, really helped architect this and continues to push it to a new level, what were the things that stood out for you this year? Thanks for having me. One thing we, we always observe in this festival is that it brings very unique set of people whom we never thought will turn up. For example, this time we had people from Afghanistan. And you, know, you think, why Afghanistan? Because these people, when they come here, they look for opportunities to take back to their country what they can do with technology, how they can solve their own financial sectoral needs using new technology, the startup ideas they see in this festival. So that's something we always find humbling and opportunistic ways for countries to come and spend some time at the festival and go back to the home and deploy some of these ideas. So that's one big thing for us. This year, especially, we took a big bet. We decided to dedicate almost 30% of our content to climate change, sustainability. Not an exciting topic. It's hard to attract a lot of people to hear about sustainability because it's still early stage, not much tech out there. But we took it as a challenge and we put it out there. Yeah, and it's certainly a major focus, and there's a lot of excitement around sustainable finance at the IF, where we've launched a recent working group, and I think it grew the fastest to the largest uh, working group, with I think over 100 members from the IF now gathered to look at how do we advance sustainable mm-hmm. finance through classification efforts and technology. So as you said, it's early days, but a, a huge topic certainly on the agenda of the IF and uh, here at the Singapore FinTech Festival. And interestingly, the way we framed it perhaps attracted a lot of people. Uh, We said that there are three parts to sustainable finance to grow. How do you monitor green finance? How do you measure green finance? How do you mobilize finance on a long-term basis for this kind of new areas? And technologies in particular can help us in a big way. So it attracted a lot of technologies exploring this uh, opportunity. And that perhaps uh, gave us a huge boost in terms of uh, people who gathered in this whole program. Other area we looked at, which I thought was an interesting play, is we started looking at how to integrate deep tech into fintech. Ultimately, uh, fintech can only succeed if you bring deeper technology skill set, deeper engineering talents into the space. And that's the reason this time we integrated our uh, Singapore Week of Innovation to the festival, which has uh, more downstream technology, logistics, medical sciences, food technology. Ultimately, the, the, the endpoints are the technologies which is capturing data, processing data, and finance are plugged in into those whole ecosystem. And that's how we see the synergies coming closer. And that's how we believe the whole fintech ecosystem will expand. It will be cross-sectorial 
it will plug into every value chain of an ecosystem whether it is a talking about food system they're talking about a transportation system talking about travel talking about logistics everywhere there'll be a finance plugged into the whole ecosystem bringing it together was a big experiment i think we have a long way to go still but i think we had a good start yeah i think it reflects an important thing that we've observed at the if uh, and through our lens of course it's sort of data policy and getting data policy right because as we see those blurring lines you know technology just continues to blur lines between traditional sectors where things wouldn't intersect and now i think when you look at some new digital licensing regimes things become very clear when you see partners that you never would have thought of years ago um, coming together and so certainly that's uh, something that we observe at the IF, which is one of many reasons why getting data policy right and consistent sort of across all of those different uh, jurisdictions is important. I know our European members are very focused on that yes. with a one-way flow yes. and open banking. And speaking of open banking, you know, the APIX, APEX was another thing that I thought continued to advance at, at this conference. What were some of the, the announcements or takeaways developments with APEX there? And maybe a little snapshot first, what APEX is uh, for our listeners. Uh, this whole APEX journey started last year. The last FinTech Festival, Prime Minister Modi and our uh, then Deputy Prime Minister uh, DPM Thurman inaugurated this platform. It was a platform we created to bring the whole B2B fintech into the financial sector. Traditionally, banks source their digital transformation by using large tech companies. But as you have seen in Asia in particular, a lot of fintechs are in the business of collaborating with the bank. They're in a way competing even against large tech to provide a better value-based services using APIs. Uh, and Apex's effort was to bring these two parties together on a digital platform. Historically, and still now, banks struggle to work with small fintech who are providing business-to-business -business solutions. There's a long cycle of proof of concept. There's a long cycle of exploring, discovering, and commercial outcome of this partnership. So we want to use Apex as a way to reduce this time uh, our bet is we can reduce uh, a proof of concept from discovery to commercial uh, decision from two years to few weeks and in, in case maybe one or two weeks. Uh, we, are, uh, we have seen use cases which can be compressed to a month end-to-end -end product out of the whole platform. So Apex has got few big uh, functionalities. One, it allows you banks to discover fintechs globally wherever they are. Second, it allows banks to test out the APIs this, this fintechs are having for a particular problem statement. Third, it allows banks to build a prototype outside the network and test this fintech solutions. Fourth, it allows banks to also go deeper into the kind of specification, the technical architecture, and check whether they're complying to their own requirement. And last piece, which is going to be injected by first quarter next year, investors can also see this data and also create a, an opportunity for themselves to fund and, and, and put money behind these B2B platforms because in, in a, in a most investors struggle to understand B2B by coming to the platform, they see a clarity on where they're heading to. Uh, Vikram Pandit uh, made a comment on last Friday when I met him that all a B2B company needs to do have five clients. By this platform, if we can get the B2B the first five client, I think we can create a better ecosystem of banks, B2B fintechs, investors coming together and growing this pie. My bet is in, in, in years, to time, years to come, most of the banks will shift 
their partnership from large tech uh, partners to small B2B, highly specialized, innovative companies. And this will be a way to go forward. And one of the critical issues that we've seen at the IF with that onboarding challenge, as they call it, is the, the time issue that you highlighted. One of the perceptions has been that some risk uh, functions you know, have a hard time understanding the counterparty. And that's one of the asymmetries and the problems that creates some of that onboarding lag time. And it's a critical issue for the startup because they may have 12, 24 months of funding and the onboarding process at the large bank that really is the logical partner for them for that project might stretch far beyond that timeline. And because I think it's either regulation or more accurately, probably regulatory perception or supervisory perception that signal from the supervisor can be really important. So that's why I think that MAS's role in that project is while, interesting as well. Absolutely. While we may not while we may not directly play a role here in terms of influencing choices, MAS just funded for the platform to grow. But I'll take an example to articulate how MAS participation and the ecosystem platforms do help. We have a sandbox, as you know, a regulatory sandbox. I'll give a real example. A couple of weeks back, we approved a fintech company called Bond E-Value, which does fractionalization of bonds. One question regulators are asking, if the small company goes bankrupt, there'll be a whole set of risk around the customers struggling to use this platform to do the redemption of the bonds. The moment we gave the regulatory sandbox uh, license to this company, this company went during the fintech festival found a partner called with the Northern Trust and they do fractionalized bond on blockchain to do custodial service. Now you see what has happened. If we had waited for everything to come together, we never got there. Given MAS Sandbox allowed e-value, bond e-value to come and start experimenting on fractionalizing bond on a blockchain platform, the next partner came in. Yeah. You, you got it? And the Northern Trust comes in, the custody service comes in, now you connect the two pieces together, you solve one risk. Same time, at the Apex platform, bond e-value is out there. It is trying to find, find out banks who can come and participate on the platform. So it's all combination of connecting these platforms from sandbox to public sandbox like Apex and some regulatory support allows this ecosystem to get connected and start solving those issues around counterparty, which you articulated in your question. So exciting development. We're cheerleading uh, at the IIF and think it's a great example of, again, regulators getting involved and trying to set a signal, um, create a playing field where the different uh, new emerging members of the ecosystem can connect up um, with our members in a more efficient and effective way. So exciting development there. One of the other key themes of the conference was tokenization and cryptocurrencies and, and blockchain technology. And I was on a panel titled Tokenization of Everything. And that was, I think, an interesting theme throughout the conference was what did these new technologies do to central bank digital currencies? One of the blockbuster panels, I think, brought together the Central Bank of Cambodia, Facebook's Libra representative, JP Morgan with their JPM coin, and the People's Bank of China. And the PBOC has been one of the most forward-leaning groups, along with Singapore and others at the Bank of England, who have looked at what the future of money looks like. So this was an interesting discussion, and I was just curious what your takeaways were from, from what they covered. Thanks. The way we created the panelists to understand four different use cases. First, we wanted to understand the rationale behind National Bank of Cambodia issuing their digital currency. It was the only country till now which has issued a retail currency. We also wanted to understand the economic model behind Libra. You had the chief economist of Libra as part of the panel. 
Third, we had to understand also how does a commercial bank thinks about tokenization when we have JPM coin. Fourth, a large market, interesting market, how they are thinking about digital currency. So we had PVOC representing that panel. Few things came strong. There was a consistent message across all the four panelists. Trust is the key. Second, none of them talked about a token which is not backed by any asset. There are some asset behind each of these currencies, tokens being discussed. Fourth, they all believe cross-border is the problem. Except in case of China, there was a case for token, especially for rural areas where the banking systems are not well developed. Other than China, JPM coin, Libra and Bakong coin had some flavor of cross-border in near future. So, so I think what it says that the token discussion has matured. There's a far more sense and purpose being used behind why they should think about token, which is a very good progress we're looking at in the space of token. We also thought that bringing the money layer, as they call it, into the ecosystem so that blockchain application in other areas might be able to develop and scale, I think is an important development and impact um, that, that you see people focused on as well. Absolutely. I think uh, the separation of blockchain development from token has definitely helped the narrative to be much more progressive. What we see in Asia in particular, the blockchain has become a large infrastructure kind of discussion. With President Xi Jinping recently announcing in China that the future is blockchain, you will see more and more blockchain-based infrastructure coming to Asia in many use cases, from sustainable finance, supply chain management, even domestic play for where there's a multi-party processes, you will find blockchain being used, especially for data provenance. Where there's an exchange of counterparty, you will see more blockchain being brought into this whole discussion. So blockchain is going to move. My bet is by next year, you'll see very large production grade blockchain being implemented in Asia. So the festival, again, brought together, I keep saying 65,000 people. It was uh, astounding <laughs> some, to see. Sometimes I don't know what the big number is, but <laughs> let's keep it 60,000 plus. 60,000 60, plus. Well, it certainly felt like 60,000 to me on most days. The uh, scope of this conference means that there are probably dozens of topics that were really delved into from innovations in the payment system, what's going on with cloud computing, distributed computing, next generation machine learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and AI applications, and the list goes on and on and on, and the exhibits went on and on, and the fleets of startups that you had in the wings, again. So we, we probably can't cover all of it, but, but before a, we wrap up, what are uh, some my, others? My best, my, I, I, it'd be unfair to say my best, but the last session of the whole FinTech Festival was something interesting. And I want to end this talk with that particular presentation by a cosmonaut who presented uh, somehow his view about the planet from space. And he left us with two profound lines. And he said us that was that when they are in the International Space Station, they don't see any more boundaries from there. Earth looks beautiful, it looks boundaryless. So why we are fighting among each other with these boundaries being artificially laid out? The second profound statement he made, he said that when they are in the International Space Station, when we talk about going back home, we don't tell each other where you are going. We just are looking to go back to Earth. That's our home. So I think it left us with something to worry about that we are fighting for all this border dispute, but really we should be protecting our Earth, which is a home. That kind of left us, what should we do in 2020? I think we will come back more heavily on climate change, sustainability as bigger themes. And the cosmonaut, Sergei, 
did leave us with that those two pieces of golden advice earth is one home it is borderless let's protect it well that's a great view of our earth to uh, to leave us on and a little hint of what's coming next in the next edition of the amazing singapore fintech festival so thank you very much Sipnemdu Mahanti for joining us this week. Please tune in again for those upcoming episodes via the IF website and now on Apple Podcasts as we continue to highlight the people driving innovation in technology and finance. I'm Conan French and thanks for joining us on FRT.